Hey everyone, I am Dan, and this is the fifth episode of Moogles and Mages. I've slowly been learning more and more about the different races and classes inside of the very strange and odd world of Eorzea. Or I guess that's just the continent inside of, uh, is it Gardalin? No, Heidelin, right? Heidelin. Yes, I'm joined by my co-host Cody, who has been teaching me all of these things. And today we were talking about the last two races that are playable. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the end of our long journey through the uh, the races of Eorzea. Yes. Now, after this, we get to start talking about some story elements. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a plan. There, there's still, I believe, two more episodes in my head mm-hmm. that are building up to what I feel like is one of the first really like, huge story moments. The one that actually sets off a Realm Reborn. It'll actually cover a little bit of 1.0. Okay. Um, stuff like that. Sweet. But yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. Both races we're going to cover today are going to be the newest races. So we've got the Viera, which are the bunny girls. And the Rothgar, which are lion men. Now, Cody, this better not awaken anything in me. Oh, it's gonna, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, look, what things have been set in motion that cannot be undone. Oh, okay. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for this. Right, so we're gonna talk about the Viera first. So these are the Viera. They are tall, lithe, they're, they're Amazon bunnies. Wow. Yeah, yeah, very tall at and that's all in the legs too. They're not in a long torso or anything; just super long legs. <laughs> Their ears are very, very long too. Yes, yeah. They um, they, they're one of the taller races in the game at max height. Actually, wait, they're not the tallest with this. Oh no, Rugadin are still the tallest, I believe. Oh, but we're not counting the ears, right? <laughs> I actually don't know if you count the ears in Viera height. I would assume you wouldn't. It wouldn't really that make be sense. Because, yeah, that'd be like nine and a half feet or something. <laughs> <laughs> Those ears look freakishly long. So, fun thing about the Viera. They're actually not originating from FF14 at all. They were added in Final Fantasy Twelve. Wait, so how did we get them in Final Fantasy Fourteen? We had a crossover with them, and they basically just copy-pasted a bunch of FF12's lore directly into FF14. Oh, oh dear God. My, uh, my drink just stuck. <laughs> I, look, I know that this is a world-shattering revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make a joke so I have to keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, they they added them in FF12... And then brought that over along with the entire like country world. I don't, I don't know what to call it of Evilise, which is the where FF12 takes place. You're just saying that they basically just kind of lopped them into the game, saying no, no, they, mm-hmm. they, they yeah, were they're, here they're the whole still time. Very this is canon. just the info on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting way to do it, but it's a really cool way to do a crossover. Is to have a playable race. I, I know most of the time. Crossovers are just going to be, oh, cosmetic things like this is a new weapon or a new mount that you can ride. Mm-hmm. But to have a playable race from that is super cool. Yeah, our, our crossover was a lord, like, atom bomb. <laughs> like, it, it covers so much of FF12 and FF Tactics lore that just got thrown directly into 14. And it fits incredibly well. Hmm. Okay, okay. So I, I guess that's pretty much it. They, they don't really look very different from the here other than they're just really tall long legs and then the very obvious bunny ears you can see the differences more uh in game they they have some slightly different faces uh and proportions they have closer to like elizin proportions where they're like their arms and their legs are really long mm, really slender some of the older games actually have viera with like talons like their 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 fingers are clawed, hmm. and their their feet have nails on them. Right, right, but not so much here. Right, they went more humanoid in the FF14 version. Okay, so what's the story with these guys? So these guys live in Authard, 
the uh, the same region that has Doma. So it's mm. the same continent with the Alra, the Domans. It's on the east over there, bet- or across from Ilzabard and the Garleans. Okay, right, right. So they live in the, the southern tip. There's a place called the Golmore Jungle. The Viera live in the Golmore Jungle under this extremely strict code uh, known as the Green Word. And it prevents them from interacting with the outside world. Oh, okay. So and if you... Go ahead. Uh, so very heavily taken from Amazonian culture, huh? Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. If you leave the the forest, you are banished. Interesting. Okay, so these guys are not really a collective group of the of the Eorzean Federation, huh? It's, it's mostly just individuals that you get coming from there. Yeah, exactly. They they don't really have a nation to speak of. Hmm. They they live in smaller villages uh, that are exclusively female. Uh, the males, as soon as the males reach adolescence, the males leave the village. So by the village, you, you just they, they leave the jungle, or just the the they leave the. They only that leave they have. the village. They stay in the jungle because both the Viera and the male Viera are are both extremely um, fierce protectors of the jungle itself. Okay, and and them leaving is just a part of that green word that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really strange I, I don't really see the benefit of separating your group like that is it some sort of internal instinct that they have or something i'm not sure because the 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 viera females that we encounter in ff12 we haven't actually been to any of their villages in 14 mm-hmm. but in in 12 when you encounter them they're they're not unfriendly they're just cold distant they don't want you there but they're not going to kill you on sight i guess mostly because you're traveling with a viera mm, that makes sense the males however are known for a shoot first ask questions never mentality. <laughs> okay yeah you definitely want a viera with you then whenever you're traveling there huh <laughs> it would probably help or they might actually just kill her, too, because she would have been exiled if she had left the wood, and bringing outsiders would probably be a cardinal sin. Is there a reason that anyone ever really leaves the jungle that we know of? Some Viera are just curious, and they just want to see what's outside of the wood. Gotcha. I can't imagine that they're getting much news of the world. Not really. Now, you can play as one of these, so... How does the lore work in a warrior of light coming from here? It's an interesting thing of what defines a warrior of light. Because we used to think it was an extremely specific thing. That only certain people became warrior of lights and received the blessing of light. But we've learned that it's really not that rare. Heidelin's not super finicky about it. She just blesses people. Huh. Yeah, you know, it must be convenient to uh, to be able to do that with so much uh, <laughs> chaos and darkness out there, huh? Yeah. I, now, not everybody's on the same level, of course. Mm. There's a mechanic that makes people stronger that I'll get into later when we start talking about some other factions that have yet to be introduced. Okay. So, these sound like an overall pretty mysterious race that we would have... Mm-hmm really less to talk about than oh it's the one uh, rugadin you would think that but thanks to ff12 the viera culture is pretty well understood oh okay and there there's some i think they have some interesting little intricacies and and quirks that make them different than the other races so like the other races they have two tribes but their tribes aren't very different from each other the rava and the vena are the names of their two different tribes they can come from. Much like the Keepers of the Moon, they are matriarchal. And these are the Rava? This is both. Oh, okay, right, See, right. Both tribes, they, they actually share most of their customs. I'm actually not sure what differentiates them to begin with. Oh, maybe it's just location-based? Yeah, it could be. 
the females live in these matriarchal societies in villages. The men leave and only return to the village to collect more male children or to have kids. Otherwise, they live solid, like solitary lives. Gotcha. Now, it sounds like the males may be grouped together if they're collecting the, the male children, or is it just single individuals coming by and picking up basically ad- adoption or adopting them? It's it's like that. It's adoption. Hmm. The, the men will pick up youth and train them until they are of a certain age, and then they go their separate ways. That makes sense. You know, if... It sounds like, okay, you're not really mating for life necessarily, but Uh, they would probably be able to recognize, oh, right, this is my spawn that I'm allowed to keep with me. mm -hmm. And they have to wait, because there's this interesting thing here that says, it is estimated that around 80% of Viera are born female, with males and females being identical at birth until they leave adolescence and reach adulthood around the age of 13, which is when males become distinguishable from females. (laughs) So they're just androgynous blobs. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay, so so they're all generally going to be around that height, and then it's just... Okay, so it seems like if you get female you just get big boobs and really long hair this is i'll send you a picture really quick of the male viera that they're going to be adding as a playable race (laughs) sorry i just realized (laughs) do they just not know the genitals of the child that's the thing that that's what i mean by it being curious to me is they might not actually check oh maybe um it it may just be like it may just be like externally you can't tell right right oh so this is with uh, the talons that you were talking about yeah you see on their boots down there mm, so these are the ones yeah. from final fantasy 12 uh, no these are the male viera being added in ff14 oh these are the ones that are going to be playable in endwalker okay so it looks like they m- mainly have boots with talons that they put on made of metal on top of the boot Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the females actually have it too. If you look at their their shoes, they actually have the little talons on their feet too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it it's hard to notice sometimes, but seems like there's not really a ton of difference in how they dress either. The males are wearing no, not really. <laughs> very very casual clothing. The the female version is interesting. It almost it it's like shockingly intricate, and it almost looks like. It's like they they were trying to make plate mail lingerie. You know, now that you say it, I totally see it. <laughs> like that's that's the in-game version, so you can kind of see. But yeah, it's oh, it's, yeah. it's an interesting look. So yeah, yeah, definitely more akin to plate mail lingerie. Um, yeah, I, I get what they were going for though. With okay, the females are going to be wearing more so armor, and maybe the males are. Well, no, I guess this was just casual wear in the picture that you sent me. So they, they both sound very much like warrior people. So I imagine that yeah, they very much are. Yeah, their general clothing is probably going to be focused on armor. Yeah, they there's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just left my brain. Mm, Schmoop and doop. Uh, that's a word, but it's not the one I was looking for. <laughs> there's a quirk with them in FF12 where if they encounter sufficiently dense mist so mist is not like just you know air Mm -hmm. it's actually ether they call ether mist oh okay and if if a viera encounters sufficiently dense mist they get driven into this berserker rage oh and yeah, they, like, drop on all fours and become, like, feral. Okay, so that's just some primeval instinct that they've got whenever they interact with Aether. Mm-hmm. That's this really This doesn't cool. really come to play in Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, no, that would have been so cool. I know, I know it would have been really cool, because Fran, one of the, the, I would say, the most iconic Viera, 
uh, one of the main characters from Final Fantasy XII, uh, when she becomes enraged like this, all of her attacks become like the is the capoeira or whatever the, the brazilian uh, yeah, the, fight the dancing, dancing fighting yeah it becomes like that she's just like flipping all over the place and spinning and, and all these kicks and slashes hyper energized yeah it's really crazy and it's especially shocking to see compared to her generally really reserved chill demeanor so whenever you look at the other races of final fantasy 14 it doesn't really seem like there's any sort of interactions like that with ether where it's an automatic blatant change in who they are uh-huh. or or what they can do it, it has to be channeled through which yeah you've described that sometimes it's unconsciously that they do it but yeah nothing this drastic yeah pretty much so it's interesting that the viera get picked up at the age of 13 to go train because it sounds really young right yeah but putting that youth into perspective is really it makes it even more insane okay the viera are the longest lived of the playable races even longer than an elizin what (laughs) elizin are known to live for a really long time right viera have lifetimes that are roughly three times that of an elizin wait what are you talking about three times it doesn't make sense you said that they hit maturity at like 13 yeah and they retain that physical youth for the rest of their life (sighs) so a viera will look in their like early 20s for like 200 years god to be a viera man Duh. <laughs> Imagine being sexy for 200 years. What do you even do with that? Like, what do you do with that much power? Now, I have a theory that goes back to 40k. Mm-hmm. All right. You know the Eldar, the space elves? Mm-hmm. So they have the same thing where they're basically just sexy forever. Do you know what they did? Uh, they made a god. <laughs> they banged <laughs> until they... <laughs> They banged so much that it made a god of banging and pleasure and, oh, you know, among a lot of other things that we won't go into. Mm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, Slanesh. It, it sounds like the Viera have a lot more self-control than the space elves, though. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like borderline puritanical in their, uh, in their culture. Well, it sounds like they would fit right in with Ishgard. Although, although that, that's a specific god that they probably don't follow, huh? I don't actually know much about what Viera worship. I feel like they probably just worship the wood or like this the spirit of the wood. Yeah, or, or maybe Hydaelyn or something. It, yeah. They seem very shamanistic. Sorry if you yeah. hear purring. It's the kitty cat who would not leave my door alone. Hello, kitty cat. <laughs> the, we, we do get a little different Viera culture uh, in Shadowbringers. Mm-hmm there's there's a place called the first and it's another part in the universe that i will be explaining how this works but view the first as sort of a a parallel dimension i guess could be a way to put it cody you you can't tell me how this doesn't work (laughs) you gotta tell me how this works i can't tell you how this works because how this works is big what you need to know is that the world or the universe used to be whole. And at some point, it was split into 14 identical shards. And then each of these shards started to branch off into its own thing. Okay, so we've got 13 other dimensions from what the, the base game story is. Mm-hmm. The the world that Eorzea is on is known as Hydaelyn, and it is also called the Source. It's the largest of the shards. Oh, and it sounds like the original, I, I guess you would say? Eh, you could call it that. But that is 100% a story for another time, because it's going to be a big one 
Okay, so basically you're just showing me like quantum fluxes and, and, and hints at super advanced physics and you're like, okay. And then I'm throwing the curtain back down and saying, don't look at that. All right. Not B- yet. Back to uh, division and multiplication. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're not prepared for this yet. But on the first, that has the same races as Heidelin, but they have different names. The Viera on the first are known as the Vis. And they they have a lot of the same culture, but some slightly different stuff, mostly with them being keepers of an ancient fallen empire. Okay, so they're in the same... Okay, so just to make sure that I've got this right, the first is another realm that you get access to, that Mm -hmm. in that realm, it's the same area of land relative to where the Vieira are in Heidelin, right? Not exactly. It, it's like, you know the whole, like, uh, it's, it's not, is it butterfly effect? Where it's like one small change will, like, ripple into something massive? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Where the first is basically, it's a what-if scenario. Oh. Things are similar, but different. Okay, gotcha. And you'll in, see a lot of things that you're like, "Oh, that looks really familiar." And in this scenario, they had a, a different empire. Yeah, they they instead of the Golmore jungle, they live in a place called the Raktika Greatwood. It's actually the source of that theme <laughs> with the Lahi. Theme. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that sounded familiar. Mm-hmm, that's them. That? That's the Raktika Greatwood. <laughs> That's where the Vieira live on the first, and that's where we get most of our interaction with them in FF14. Okay, gotcha. Now, wait, you said that's where we get most of Oh, that's right, because the Vieira that I I was assuming we would have most interaction with, they're all just stuck in their jungles. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that's a really cool way to bring them into a story that... Well, I'm not going to say it makes sense with the different <laughs> shards of reality, but I, I, I can get it at least. Yeah, there there are only two Viera in Eorzean's like Eorzea's story that we actually speak to. If I'm not if I'm not misremembering, wow. The only ones we ever really encounter are Fran, the Alpha Viera. She was introduced in FF12. She's uh, Balthier's uh, partner, so she's a sky pirate. Right, right. Wait, hang on. Sky pirate? Sky pirate. Balthier is a sky pirate, and he has a bunny girl partner. She's his Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that's really cool. Man. I, I hope that we get to start learning a little bit more about the, the technology that they've got there because i don't really know where to classify this world as it's not just fantasy but it doesn't seem like it's steampunk yeah and you'll you'll get a feel for that when we start talking about garlemald oh uh, right with the machine empire right mm-hmm, magitech the world has a, a a mix of low fantasy and high fantasy and then high tech like sci-fi at the same time it kind of throws a wide net. Yeah, it seems like it depends on wherever you are in the world. Which, yeah. you know, I guess that makes sense for the different parts of the world are progressing at different speeds and getting different technologies. Yeah, and there's also this one uh, ancient empire. You're going to learn about a lot of ancient empires. Because uh, Eorzea has like three excellent that have all essentially fallen and built themselves on top of each other's graves right right i remember you talking about nim and one of them alag basically had some crazy high tech and just sort of threw that shit all over the place when they died oh but was it their own demise that they brought on themselves or it was oh, okay cause of death hubris <laughs> Ooh, the most painful <laughs> Okay, so it seems like we're we're getting a pretty good handle on the Viera. What's the second mm-hmm. group that you wanted to bring up? The second race is known as the Rothgar. That's right. That's these guys. The lion men. Whoa. <laughs> they all look like Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are actually not um 
it's more of an Easter egg, but the one in the back is especially noticeable. I'll show you an image to compare this, but they look extremely similar to a race from Final Fantasy X. This guy is Kimari. He is a Ronso. Oh yeah, those are the guys, the lion guys with horns, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a horn. Oh. As a Rothgar. Okay, but that's mostly just a reference to Final Fantasy X. Yeah, and on the first, uh, Rothgar actually called Ronso, so it's just a shout out. That's really cool. I, I I love that they have so much to work with that they can just kind of bring in and say, you know what? This would be really neat if it was canon. <laughs> yeah. FF14 is often referred to as uh, a bit of a love letter to Final Fantasy on the whole, mm. as well as like a, a Final Fantasy theme park. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. There's a lot of fun yeah. mini games from the look of it that you could look at as like the theme park rides. Yeah. And then we just get those crossovers. Like we have an entire raid series that's just Final Fantasy 12. It's just got characters and lore and the world of Final Fantasy 12. Man. And they work it into the story. It's it's mm-hmm. not just lazy writing or anything. They're, they're actively engaging different parts of the world with it. Ivalice is pretty big in uh, a, a side story involving the Rothgar, luckily enough. The Rothgar have two tribes. I like the rest of them. We're going to mention one really quickly, and then the rest of them are going to be... The rest of it's going to be talking about the the story of the other tribe. Okay. So they are the Hellions and the Lost. These are differently named than most of the other tribes. It seems like it's more descriptors. Yeah. The Lost are nomads. They tend to be travelers, mercenaries, that kind of thing. And they don't really join in big groups because they really like to be alone and independent. Mm. The Hellions, on the other hand, they come from another matriarchal society. They lived in southern Ilzabard, which is where the Garlean Empire is. Oh, okay. It's that continent that's completely covered in clouds on the map. Right, so we're getting a little closer to the the Garland Empire. Mm-hmm. These guys have been at war with Garlemald for quite a while. Okay, so it seems like it's pretty easy to get them as allies then, the enemy of my enemy and all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They come from a nation called Bosia, and Bosia was invaded, defeated, and conquered by Garlemald. Mm. But it didn't really end there. It would have been bad enough for the Rothgar to be captured. But the Rothgar kind of lost everything in that war. Mm. Their queen actually became a primal in order to strike down the invaders. Whoa. How'd they do that? You can basically channel a primal into yourself... I'm planning on talking about primals and how they work next time. Okay. That's, that's going to be the next episode. Look forward to it. But just know that she essentially ascended to godhood. Wow. Now, is that something that you just have to be able to channel a ether easily? Or is this a different skill entirely to be able to, I guess, commune with a primal like that? It actually, uh, okay, I believe it requires this. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that in order for you to become a primal and retain yourself, it requires some kind of external thing. Uh, the two two of them we've encountered, both of those characters have the blessing of light. Oh, okay, gotcha. So that's something that we'll check in later on and mm-hmm. confirm. And... Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. You had mentioned that the the Hellions come from a matriarchal society, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, I was curious going into this if there was going to be some interactions with the if these were just an offshoot of the Makote, kind of like the uh, the the here like that the are hero. the yeah that are the white mages, but it seems mm-hmm. like the, these are really separated from the Makote. Very much, yeah. They're they're a totally different race. 
man, what luck do the FF players get? You can have two kinds of cat people. <laughs> we still have never even seen female Hrothgar either. So the the queen that we see is actually a female Rugadin. What in disguise or no? What what the the way the story goes is that when they were being faced with this uh, invasion, and the the decision was made to invoke this blade called Save the Queen to summon this primal, the the queen wouldn't do it. Mm. So one of her handmaids, who was a female Rugadin, stepped up and said, "I'll do it." Oh. So she became that ruler because she the, essentially was a, a extremely fast-paced mutiny. Oh, okay, gotcha. But it didn't end well for her. I it, it doesn't sound like it would have. She was actually killed by her own royal guard. And we're talking about the Rugadin, right? Mm-hmm, yes. After she saved everyone, she was actually stabbed in the back by her own people. Dude, you're not kidding. The female Rugadin just get the worst end of the stick every single time right? they come in the story. Right? It's not fair. She gets stabbed in the back by her own people out of fear. They're like, we want to rebuild Bosia, but you are far too powerful. You're a wild card, and that scares us. Okay, so she got Caesared. Yes. That's... Actually, hold on. The Bosnian Empire, do they have any other sort of Roman references or uh, motifs? The Garlands or the Bosnians? The Bosnians. Uh, not that I'm really aware of. The Garlands, however, mm. definitely do. Hmm. They are swimming in Roman influence. I'm really curious to see that then. Um, but that's a shame, though. That would have tied in really well with the... With her being seasoned. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> now, how did they lose this, this battle against the Garlean Empire? Did they just not have the tech, the numbers? Really bad things happened on all sides. So, the Rothgar lost a lot in the war and then lost their queen once Save the Queen was invoked. The Garleans delivered a bit of a uh, an irrecoverable wound during Project Meteor, which is, again, something we're going to cover. Right. Bonzio was a bit of a testing ground for some of the technology for the Meteor Project, and it wound up essentially just destroying this place. Oh. It failed, yeah. Right, right. And it it actually just rent Bosia asunder. The land itself is broken into a bunch of like floating chunks, and it's sort of like wrapped in on itself at this point. Jeez. Yeah, it was really bad. So how how did they even stabilize just from that? They kind of didn't. Oh, gotcha. They, they fled to the southern front, just uh, 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 the lowest part of Bosia they could reach that was still stable. And so any infrastructure that they had, any farmland, cattle, all, all of that was pretty uh, much lost. Gone. Yeah, it's just gone. Bosia is essentially just a wasteland at this point. Now, question. With Ether, can you conjure things like food and water with it not that i'm aware of it's not really like in wow where you can like turn mana into food right i, I was gonna say that's really interesting and cool i think that you know it's like a go-to for pretty much anything inside the realm of fantasy of you've got mana or you know ether and you can make it into anything and then you make it into plot devices <laughs> <laughs> but, but here, you know, it's it's cool that they set parameters around, or, you know, some parameters around how Ether can actually work. Yeah. Yeah. What is possible? Yeah. I do believe it could be possible to save Bosia, 
but I don't know if we have the technology to do it on the source. So what would it require to save them? Back on the first, we encountered this thing called Eden. And Eden was capable of, like, mass... uh, I don't know the term again. Aspecting? Mass aspecting of ether. Right, okay. So what happened is you could take a wasteland where all the ether had been set still and it just turned it to just, you know, there's no running water, there's no anything. Mm -hmm. And you can draw the water ether out, wake it up, and put it back. And you can do that with all the different elements until they're all alive and in balance. And it sort of just revives this area. Oh, so it's basically white mages without the white mages. Yeah, it's it's essentially just terraforming. It's really slow, but it's magical terraforming. That's really cool. I, I get why it's slow. It, even just communing with the elements, it's, it's a pretty slow process for a white mage. It's not instantaneous. You got to work with them and it's this whole mm. process before a machine i imagine it almost like a steam-powered machine where you know you've got all these dials and stuff and you have to make sure everything's in <laughs> check for a long period of time and yeah wow that's that's cool so it's going back into i guess the science if you will mm-hmm. of how the elements and aspecting work together to give you that balance of normal life yeah exactly so I I would think that if we had that on the source, it could be possible to sort of, over time, maybe fix Bosia and return it back to being something livable. But it's also possible that Bosia may just do that on its own. It may just take actual, like, lifetimes. Mm, right for things to fall back into balance now do you think that would require the elements because it seems like they're not really roaming around fixing stuff or you know being elements they're they're more stuck in the twelves wood or do you think it's just the, the natural way of life you know trees and plants and animals slowly returning yeah the, the elements don't really have much influence outside of the twelves wood at all um, the, the way this aspecting of ether and stuff works is just science. It, it has, the, the elements don't get a say in this. Science, <laughs> trademark. Yeah, the, the, the elements don't really get a say in this. The, these are just like the rules of the universe. Okay, gotcha. So elements yeah. are, you know, they're, they're their own thing, but we're just using the, the laws of, basically the laws that govern the elements. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So the guys that killed their queen, these guys are actually kind of cool, even though they're dicks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were known as the Queen's Blades. Oh. And they're actually the origin of one of the, the new jobs in FF14, the Gunbreaker. Oh, I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> the gun in Gunbreaker represents their gun blade. <laughs> But it is not a firearm like what you would expect. Wait, really? It's not. No. The term gun comes from the name of their queen, Queen Gunhilder. Uh, okay, I'm completely lost and I, I do not know this one at all. <laughs> it's what you're thinking of. It's for the Final Fantasy VIII. It's a gun, but it's also a sword. Okay, so it wasn't originally named for the gun, but it also just includes a gun. <laughs> Exactly. It's <laughs> Queen Gunhilder's Blades, shortened to a gun blade. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, so this is pretty unique and brought in by these guys. Yeah. It was created by them. It was exclusive to them. It was adopted by the Garland Empire. Oh. Uh, but the Rothgar hate them. They view them as just these bastard gun blades because... They're just a gun with a sword strapped to it. <laughs> Clearly different from what they have. It's very different from a gun blade. How? how Theirs is, is a gun with a blade. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, 
simple misunderstanding <laughs> across in the languages. So uh, a a Bosnian gun blade does not fire bullets at all. Instead, you have these ether cartridges. They essentially look like shotgun shells. Uh huh. And you cast a spell in the cartridge. Oh, that's really cool. And then you can save it for later. And just load that in your gun, and when you pull the trigger, it casts that spell. That's so cool. I love that. So the the gun gun breakers are sort of battle mages. Right, yeah, they they just front load their magic casting before the battle. Exactly. And then during the fight, they, you know, pull out the bullet for this situation. So so they're also really skilled swordsmen, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Their their style is very different from a lot of the other swordsmen in the game. You know, like Paladin have this very formal sword style. Because they're they're knights, you know? Mm-hmm. Gunbreakers are sort of brutal with their sword attacks. A lot of just like two-handed overheads and and um their swords feel really heavy compared to the other. That makes a lot of sense considering where the gunbreakers came from. You're mm. looking at these massive hulking dudes who you know all all they've known is a life of hardship at this point. And yeah. It's understandable that everything with their fighting style is going to be so brutal and on the line. You know, they know that yeah. if they fail, everything's lost. Yeah, it's it's just rough. Like, there's a lot of... Their combat is rough. Mm. Which fits. Gunbreakers tend to, now that they don't have a queen, the ones we've encountered tend to be sort of roaming bodyguards, mercenaries and the type. Now... With the spell casting, is this something that all of these gunbreakers are able to do, or is it, are there certain Rothgar that are more capable at channeling ether and handle that for them? Oh, I mean, like all races, I, I would assume that some would excel, but I would expect the gunbreaker to actually be one that would kind of be okay for people that were less skilled. Like, you can't be a mage, but you can still channel ether. Mm-hmm. So you could maybe still be a gunbreaker. Because a lot of their magic isn't complicated. It's a lot of self-protecting, self-enhancing stuff. Oh. Yeah. So they have, like, Heart of Stone, where you basically just shoot your friend and they take less damage. <laughs> Wait, can you support in the game with these guys? Yeah, they're, they're a tank. Oh, but okay. they have some protective abilities. Like, they have a heal. They can heal their off-tank, or they can make them take less damage. Probably their most iconic ability that everybody loves to meme about is called Super Bolide, and it makes the gunbreaker invincible for eight seconds. I think it's eight seconds. Is, is that just a spell that they cast on themselves from that <clears throat> from that chamber? Yeah, except it sets them to 1 HP. Whoa. So it's like, I'm in danger, better shoot myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't want to miss that spell, of course. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. If you see their limit break, they actually just basically fire everything. They, They just point their gun in the air and shoot like eight shells. Oh, and it, it okay. makes a big barrier around everybody. Man, that's an incredibly cool class. I haven't yeah. really seen anything like that. The closest that I can think of is, you know, back to D&D. Wizards and, you know, other casters, you can do the same thing with taking mana and casting a spell by channeling that mana and sort of confining the magic to a scroll using certain kinds of parchment called vellum and certain kinds of inks and it's all part of you know the 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 materials that you need to cast spells and stuff but nothing like making a shotgun shell of magic popping it into your sword not gun and then not (laughs) shooting it shooting it into yourself your enemies to cast it that's so cool yeah 
It, it's a really intriguing class. It's one of my favorites that they've added lately. Now, can other people pick this up, or is it just the Warrior of Light, uh, canonically, that can pick it up if you're not a Rothgar? Um, actually, one of our traveling companions, Thancred, he's actually a gunbreaker now. Um, so yeah, just, just anybody should be able to pick it up. Okay, cool. Yeah, it seems like it's more about the art form, and like you had mentioned, it, it, they're not using particularly difficult to use magic. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that most of that skill is trying to learn how to use the blades in their styles to maximize exactly. being able to cast at the same time. I mean, a thing about Thancred, he can't even channel ether. Oh. Thancred was damaged along with Yashtola. That's right, when he popped out through flow of with the her. Life stream. Yeah. yeah. So he can't cast ether anymore. He can't channel. So someone else has to channel ether for him. So in, in downtime between combat and stuff, he'll have a caster, someone like Yashtola. She will make a bunch of bullets for him. Huh. Yeah. Man, it's... So you wouldn't even have to be able to channel to make it, to do it. So cool. Uh, even a Garlean should be able to. <laughs> wow. So really not that difficult, huh? I guess. The Just to note about the Garlean gunblades, they're just guns. <laughs> they, they, they shoot you. They're basically just like really long bayonets. <laughs> okay, right. Because they, they can't use ether, so they're just making bullets with gunpowder. Yeah, exactly. They do have a sort of substitute for ether but it's not it's not the same mm. okay it's more of magical oil <laughs> i i'm sure you can put it in a way that that i'll get how it's actually different than magic when we talk about the Garlean empire yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about them very soon okay because magic oil just sounds like a really strange out of the way explanation of ether <laughs> <laughs> just sounds like distilled ether i mean i you know calling calling it like liquid ether wouldn't really be that weird to me okay and you know i could kind of get it because mist is ether mm-hmm. so there is a physical form that it manifests in yeah i suppose if it's sufficiently dense in an area where you could like feel it then yeah. And may- maybe there are some springs or something in the Garlean Empire where you just see it popping up more. Yeah, I mean, that that's essentially... It's called Ceruleum. And that that's essentially what it would be. They, they mine it out of the ground like oil. Huh. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, before we head too far off the Rothgar, it doesn't seem like there was much Viera action with the main storyline. It seems like it was more of just... Okay, they exist in the world, and you can play as one that just left their land. Is yeah. that about right with them? Pretty much. Okay, so what story stuff do we see with the Rothgar? They're like the Viera. They, they've shown up, and they're not very ingrained into the main story. But the Bosia story is a, a massive side story that's happened in... Shadowbringers right now involving the liberation of Bosia from the Garlean Empire and sort of what's been going on there. Right, right. That makes sense. That's where we learn about the Queen and all this stuff. The Viera don't really have anything like that. Okay. Aside from their little area and Shadowbringers, but it doesn't really feel like it's about the Viera as much as the Rothgars feels like it's about the Rothgar. Yeah, and the Viera don't bring in a new playable class either. No, we didn't get like a warden or anything from them. Well, I mean, so we got the dancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the other job that got added in Shadowbringers is a dancer. And they're they're like a war dancer. Like the, their weapon are these two chakrams. That both serve as, like, ornamentation and as what they attack with. That sounds like something you would see from the Viera. Is that a thing they do? It's not a thing that they do in in the lore, necessarily. It's not, like, restricted to Viera. Uh-huh. But the one that we see in, like, concept art and stuff is a Viera. <laughs> so do we know where the dancer 
came from canonically in 14 they talk about it but i actually can't remember you you learn it from a oh it's from favner there's a place that's that's been unlocked recently in the map i don't think it's in that map that i sent you yet it's somewhere oh no there it is it's a little island oh a little island in between uh aldenard and althard okay yeah favner is our sort of india analog it's it's like a a mix of like india middle eastern kind of culture and area location stuff uh and the dancers from that interesting okay so it's definitely not a viera thing no it's not a viera thing we just they introduced viera showing a dancer but it's not a it's not a part of viera culture okay i mean i get it It, it, i could see that working canonically where viera are traveling they're not just going to eorzea they're wandering the world Mm -hmm. yeah huh okay well i guess we'll talk about the the classes more in depth at a later time it seems like we're kind of coming to the conclusion of uh being able to start talking about the story now we are yeah I, i feel like we've laid the groundwork so just to cover what we're planning on in the future i want to build up we're, we're going to be talking about primals yes 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 i'm then so we're going to be talking about garlemald mm-hmm. and then two back-to-back big story moments excellent awesome so look forward to that i'm i'm very much looking forward to talking about some of these things very much the, the, it's one of my favorite moments everything's finally piecing together uh, thank you everyone for joining us on this we, we are finally at the end of the building blocks we are putting them together now and building into something truly great yes this has been a wild ride so far and it's it's coming to fruition yeah so everyone check us out on twitter at moguls and mages you can reach out to me at MageMandan if you want us to talk about anything in particular going forward after we start talking about the story or if you had any questions that you want to ask like victoria did feel free to reach out to us we want to hear back from you and see how you're liking this but for now thanks for listening to us and we'll see you next time